and welcome to Ask Me About K-Pop, the essential guide for recent converts and seasoned fans alike. My name is Shannon. I'm one of the hosts of the program, and the other host is my best pal, Angelica. Angelica, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Ready to, like, get into this stuff that I barely understand and I'm <laughs> probably not qualified to talk about. But it's something that we've been promising we'd talk about since, like, our second episode, mm-hmm. so we have to do it. Yep. Uh, today we are getting into the real fun of a contract dispute. Oh, yeah. Because K-pop idols, like, this is, you know, this is business. It's not just people like, you know, hey, we should get a band together and, like, getting on stages. There's oh, like. No. There's a lot involved, so people are signing a lot of paperwork, and um, there have been a couple of like famous cases that we'll get into where some big idols were just like not cool with the contracts that mm-hmm. they signed anymore and wanted to change them or get out of them, and it causes real big stinks. It causes a lot of hubbub because all these companies have a lot of legalese, and there's just so much that goes into <coughs> the creation of every K-pop group from – contracts to the training the investments like it is not an easy web to untangle once you decide that you don't want to be a part of it anymore right exactly because it's like you know this is all over my head like I work in a creative industry and like I know nothing about nothing so like I shouldn't like it's all just like guys in suits decide all of these things but like k-pop idols are like a product they're people Mm. of course they're like human beings first and i think that's what a lot of these come down to but like on paper and to a company they're a product right so because the company is investing they're pouring all of this time and money into the creation of this group and by the time that group actually debuts like the company's already made significant investments of time and money yes. and and staff and production and all of these things into this group and so then like once the group actually debuts from like on paper the company side of it is like well now you have to pay us back you owe us right for everything we put into making you right and so that of course is where things get a little bit dicey because then it's like, well, you don't own me. Yes. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we should just like get into it with some concrete examples. And like the first, or it probably wasn't the first, but like the biggest deal contract dispute, like, you know, ostensibly ever was TVXQ. Mm-hmm. Um, so in July... 2009, so this was like 10 years, 10 years after their debut, or like, no, now I, see, now I'm upset that I don't know that. I don't know when they debuted. They debuted in 2003, so seven. Seven years, years, which is usually just the curse, the K-pop curse mm, year. That's true. Um, interestingly, not, interestingly enough, but it was uh, 10 years into a lot of their contracts because they had been like signed as trainees. Right. So, three members of TVXQ, Jaejung, Yoochun, and Junsu, they submitted a lawsuit to the Seoul District Court to say that, like, we do not believe that our the contract we signed with SM Entertainment is valid, and we want it nullified. Mm-hmm. Um, Did they say why they thought it was invalid? Yes, they basically stated that a 13-year contract is excessive. Mm. Um, and that it had been changed without their knowledge and consent and that their earnings weren't being fairly distributed um, and that just basically that like it wasn't – like nothing about it was fair. 
And they'd signed it when they were kids and okay. whatever, whatever. Um, but also they like knew going in that or or part of the lawsuit was that they had probably tried to just say, hey, SM, we want to leave. And they were like, if you violate your contract like right now, you're going to owe us more money mm. than you could possibly imagine for breaking this contract. So yeah. then their choice was then to sue to make the contract null and void. Right. Basically. Um, so this was a huge deal. TVXQ was and is like One enormous. One of the biggest groups ever. Um, so this was like – it was a shock to like yeah. fans. It was a shock to the industry like – and this was at the point where they held the Guinness Book World Record for largest fan base. So, yeah. like, five-member TVXQ was, like, peak K-pop in a lot of ways at this point in time. Yeah. So, a lot – there was a lot of uh, – there was just, like, a lot – a lot of different feelings and stories and stuff out there. And, you know, in Changmin, like, very quickly or – no, by November. So the lawsuit was filed the end of July, but in November, like, they both released their statement saying, like, we are on SM's side. Like, we've been doing the exact – like, we've lived the exact same lives as the other three. And, mm -hmm. like, as painful as it is for us that all of this is happening, like, we don't – we don't feel like they do. Yeah. We don't agree and we're not leaving. Yeah. So um, – and another thing about it that I thought was really interesting when I was trying to find, like, the timelines of this is that, like, everybody's dad – like, everyone who was involved, their dad, like, wrote a letter to the press. I don't know why, but, like – That's a pattern. Changmin's dad is a teacher and so it was, like, a very dressing down teacher letter being, like, <laughs> I have taught my son and my students over the last 27 years – about whatever and the exhibit, the behavior being exhibited by these other three members is against everything I ever taught my son and was like a very shamey like teacher thing. But like both Changmin and Yuno's dads were claiming that this was 100% about money mm. because they were being offered a ton. Like they had – they were huge. They had, were huge in Japan. Yeah. So they still were – Still are. Absurdly still are. famous in Japan. But they had like exclusive contracts with SM and SM mm -hmm. Japan and whatever. And there was something with a cosmetics company that like probably had offered them a bunch of money and like mm. it was against their contract to take it. So both, you know, and Changmin's dads were like, they're just trying to get all of this money off of these things. And then the cosmetic company sued for defamation, was oh, like, Jesus. we don't want to get dragged into this. So it was a big old deal. The court originally sided with the other three mm -hmm. and said, like, we like we're ruling in favor of them. Like they can leave. They don't have to keep they up with this contract. They don't want to. SM said this lawsuit is fraudulent, and we're filing an injunction to stop all of this. Um, a year later, their Japanese agency AVEX said uh, TVXQ is broken up. All the members, like the members, are going solo. We're done with TVXQ as a Japanese group. And then a week later, the other three debuted as JYJ under a new agency called CJES Entertainment. Like effectively like mm -hmm. shutting out, you know, and Changmin. And like that was the nail in the coffin. Like JYJ is real and TVXQ. I mean, people thought it would be done. It's yeah. weird to look at now the how successful they've been able to be as two, but at mm -hmm. the time, like at the time, no one knew what was going to happen. Well, and didn't they state like before JYJ uh, 
debuted, they stated TVXQ was disbanded. So it was like all of the members are going to go off on a separate thing. And so it's almost like a um, like JYJ debuted and then SM was like, oh, yeah, well, here are these guys. Like they're yeah. still TVXQ without you. And I mean they're hugely successful as just a duo of TVXQ. I love TVXQ as just a duo. Yeah. Um, but – I was, like, away from it at the time. Like, I mean, I wasn't into K-pop yet, so I can't. I, like, don't have any personal memories of this. But, like, from what I've heard from, like, hardcore TVXQ fans is this is just, like, something that people never got over. Mm -hmm. Because there were obviously people – like, I kind of can't imagine what this is like. Because, of course, there were people who were, like, JYJ biased. Or, like, and what do you do when your group, Mm -hmm. like, splits Splits up like this? Um, And so – and then apparently there were also, like, there was, like, a faction of the TVXQ fans that just, like, refused to accept either group. They were, like, TVXQ is a five-member group. And so TVXQ doesn't exist anymore. Pretty much because, like, I don't buy this two – like, this two-member thing isn't TVXQ and JYJ isn't TVXQ. So effectively, TVXQ is done to me. Um, So it was very, very odd. Um, The whole thing ended up taking, like, four years. Mm -hmm. Um, In November 2012, at voluntary arbitration, which means, like, both parties, like, went to court on their own and nobody had to get, like, arraigned – and they mutually agreed to just terminate all the contracts between all the parties and that no one was going to interfere in anybody's stuff ever again. The end. But like, ooh, that was like four, like three or four years yeah. of just like craziness. And it's almost like they both sides need to exhaust themselves before yeah. they're willing to be like, okay, can we just like go our separate ways? <laughs> yeah. Like you do your thing and we'll do ours. Um, but I am intrigued by the settlement because I looked up the expo, the exo. What am I saying? I looked up the exo lawsuits. Uh-huh. Um, and so most, of, and like I'll get into them in a minute, but like most of them SM like always had sort of a last like additional stipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like SM, kind of like came out pretty well in all of those lawsuits. So they they didn't have any addendum like to be like, okay, but you if you ever promote in Korea, like you would have to be under SM or something like that. Like I feel there like there weren't any additional stipulations. Not that I could find, but I also don't know if they had to because from what I gathered this whole thing just put such a bad taste in everybody's mouth that, like, mm. JYJ was kind of done in Korea. Ah. Like, they were famous in Japan and they were going to get money in Japan and, like, they're still doing their thing in Japan to this day. Um, but they don't promote in Korea. They really don't promote in Korea because I think because I think in that sort of, like, nationalist way, like, people might have seen them as just, like, siding with Japan mm-hmm. and, like, why don't they want to be Korean pop stars? Like, yeah. why is the Japanese money so important to them or whatever? And I don't know. It was just, like, big entertainment news that got to be, like, stretched out for years. So, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the members of JYJ, like, I've seen them all, like, on TV and stuff before. But, like, several things that I read today were just saying that, like, JYJ got dragged through the mud the hardest through all of that and, like, never really, like, recovered in Korea from the fallout of all well, of it. Well, that's too bad. That must be difficult because they, I believe, none of them are non-Korean idols, right? They're all local Korean yep. idols. So that's tough. They had to leave their home. Yeah. Um, but one of them is a really bad person. So I like don't feel <laughs> – I don't feel that I literally know them. nothing about them. TVXQ is two for me. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's, that's all fun. I care about. Um, so I guess it's time to go through this, like, through this EXO which I'm which this I'm excited to talk about because I lived through this so I like remember all of it yeah and because this is largely the reason that I personally refused to get involved in EXO or Mm -hmm. like to learn anything about them when I was first learning about K-pop because this was like fresh Uh Um, like Chris and Luhan had just left and everyone was really upset about it for Mm -hmm. a variety of reasons and in a variety of ways and the fandom was all a Twitter and I was just like you know what I'm not gonna there's too many of you there's too much drama I'm not into it but so anyway what happened was um EXO obviously you guys know is originally 12 member group debuted with two different factions XOM XOK and was four Chinese members mm -hmm. eight math eight Yes. <laughs> that is correct. Eight. Um, yeah, eight Korean me- members, four Chinese members, two groups, six each. One group always produced and promoted man- songs in Mandarin, the other in Korean. Um, and then they like eventually debuted as one unit. But initially they were promoted two separately. Separate. Yes. Things. They were two separate groups. And I emphasize that now because that will come up later yes. when we talk about the details of the lawsuits. So 2014, after they came out with overdose, uh, Chris sued to terminate in May, to terminate his contract in May, and then Lou Han followed suit in October. Um It wasn't until the following year in 2015 after they came back with Love Me Right that Tao, being absent due to many injuries, he was like kind of on a weird hiatus from the group promotional activities. And then it came out that he was also suing to terminate his contract in August of 2015. So like two years, about six months in between, like each member was sort of dropping like flies. Um, So I guess just – Dive right in. Start with Chris. Yeah. So the okay. Chris one is first. Mm-hmm. Chris is first. Um, all three. I think it's worthy of noting that all three idols uh, did use the same law firm. Just an yes. interesting tidbit that yes. they're all represented by the same people. Um, and all three of these, we can talk about it. But all three of these were rea- like people reacted to all three of them extremely differently. Extremely differently. But so, okay, so Chris started first, right? Um, SM claims to have been uh, taken aback by Chris. Uh, so when Chris sued to terminate his contract, SM claims that they, like, never saw it coming, and so they countersued uh, him for infringing the rights of the EXO members and SM and for betraying the trust of the company and the members. So they were, like, immediately not going to have it and, right. like, threw him under the bus right away. Um, and so Chris came back and he said that actually the reason that he – was trying to nullify his contract was because SM had forced him to leave and had been like keeping him on the sidelines and like wasn't allowing him to be um, to promote in certain ways that he was like mistreated and neglected and that eventually that mistreatment and neglect um, impacted his health and he even brought in a medical diagnosis of something called myocarditis which is a heart condition Um, and so that was his initial claim in 2014 I'd like 
to point out that in an interview in 2017, he claimed that the reason he left was because he didn't have the freedom to make the music he yeah. wanted. So it was a very different story now. Yeah, now he's like, then I didn't want to be in then. a dumb boy band. Yeah, so, so like now or, he says that it's because he he didn't like the music that EXO was making and he would have rather been in like on his own. And so eventually, and it did take like many years for this to finally be settled, but eventually the settlement they came to was that um, he would only be under SM management in Korea and in Japan, but outside of those two countries, he was free to like make whatever music with whomever company mm-hmm. he wanted. Reactions to this? The fans hated his guts. Yeah. Like, people were not like, I mean, of course, there were like Chris Stans who were very mm-hmm. upset, but for the most part, people were like, good, let him go. Like, yeah. how dare he betray Exo like this? And then, honestly, like, and there were just like lots of pictures of him standing three feet away from all of them. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, when we got into Exo like a year and a half ago, we started watching their reality show from when there were 12 of them. Exo Showtime. And within the first three minutes, I was like, I hate Chris. <laughs> he does not want to be here. No. He has the worst attitude. Like, he yeah. sucked. I'm sorry. He sucked. He just always <laughs> had, like, I will say that there were. <laughs> I will say in his defense that like there were certain moments of of yeah, Exo Showtime where moments. he he had moments where he was endearing or he clearly had fun or like where he would let himself have fun yeah, but he, he would like, go into things genuine, like I refuse to yeah. have fun right now. There were many moments where he had genuine fun uh, and that was obvious but yes he went in with the attitude of like this isn't where I want to be this isn't what I want to do. I do wonder how much of that was like uh, of his own like doing and how much of it was maybe like influenced from like his parents again people with this as well everyone's dad had something Mm -hmm. to say about it yeah yeah i'll definitely bring up dads (laughs) when we start talking about tao but i feel like chris's dad also said something along the lines of like they never treat they he basically came out with like my son deserved better than to Mm -hmm. be an exo and like my sm never treated my son like the star that he is or whatever and so part of me in watching exo showtime always wondered like Well, I wonder how much of it is, like, Chris actually being this, like, cranky, arrogant teen and how much of it is Chris being, like, a teen who's hearing from his dad that he deserves better and was, like, thrown into this group where he was, like, promised to be a star, but then he was one of 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there's so so many layers to it that made it difficult for him to, like, you know. But it it always felt like he – from an outsider perspective, I agree with you in that it always seemed like Chris was detached. Yeah. In a way, like he was not giving it 110% the way that the other yeah. members <laughs> yeah. were. No, totally. For sure. And I would say that like Luhan and Tao, I never felt that way about the no. two of them. Like they were there in it to win it. Um, I so. got very upset when we watched Showtime how attached I got to Luhan and Tao because I was like, yeah. no, this is not okay. But like, no, I have no, I have no warm feelings for Chris. He was kind of funny in that Vin Diesel movie, but whatever. Yeah, no what warm movie, Was that triple, triple, triple X all H, the way? Triple X, triple X, <laughs> triple X, triple X, uh, something. Xander, what the was return, the of, return Xander, of Xander, Xander Cage. Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris plays, plays like a, a DJ, DJ and he kills someone with a pair of headphones. <laughs> yeah, so whatever, that he figured it out. That was the only reason I wanted to watch that movie, but. 
I feel like that's, but I feel like that's why I feel like I feel fine being like, whatever, Chris, like you got out, like he's doing his thing. It's not like he's like destitute now. His life wasn't ruined. He's making money. He's also like kind of infuriating to listen to and watch. Like I find him (laughs) obnoxious. But we do get that, uh. Hey, you what's up? No. That like famous, <laughs> that, that famous EXO clip of Chandra being like, "Hey, Chris," and he's like, "Hey, you what's up?" <laughs> That's the best. Anyway, uh, anyway, so that was Chris's departure. So then uh, later that year, like I said, Chris filed his lawsuit in May of 2014. Um, just a few months later, in October, Luhan then filed hit to nullify his contract as well. He claimed his contract was unfair, um, and he also filed additional lawsuits for, quote, SM's embezzlement and professional neglect. Um, and the claims of embezzlement were interesting because – so what happened was in the two years since their debut, Luhan had only been paid uh, about 8400 U.S. dollars, mm-hmm. which is about $10 million won. Um, but they were never given any statements or breakdowns as to where that money came from. Mm-hmm. And so there was no way for them to know if it was the accurate amount, if he was paid what he was supposed to be paid. SM claimed that they were paying him appropriately, but there was just like – basically the lawsuit was like, look, you guys were sketchy about this payment yeah. and that's why we're questioning it because initially the members were supposed to be paid once every six months. They ended up only being paid once a year and because they were they were just given this lump sum and they weren't given like, you know, you get a pay stub and you get like all of the breakdowns of what your taxes are and blah, blah, blah. Like they were never given that breakdown. Right. Where the money came from. So they didn't know if that figure was the right amount. Um, so, like I said, he also used the same law firm as Chris, and they filed uh, or they added in to their lawsuit, they emphasized in this one as well, that SM had discriminated against XOM and they had provided more opportunities for XOK to be promoted um, and they didn't provide any financial support for XOM members during their member their points of inactivity. Yeah. Um, SM claimed just like during the Chris lawsuit shock over this, uh, over this lawsuit, they mm-hmm. claimed to be surprised. Um, and they also claimed that they had been in the middle of organizing and scheduling future activities for Luhan because they said that he had come to the company and said that he was interested in focusing on solo activities in China over being in EXO. And so they were like, what? But we were like in the middle of doing this for you. Um, like, why would you leave us? Yeah. So their take on it was like they they believed that the lawsuit was purely for personal gain and that they that he and Chris had just used EXO to gain popularity for themselves very quickly. And then now that they were super popular all around the world, they wanted to like cut and run yeah. and make their own money on their own. Um, so and that basically they wanted to split without any regard for their company, their contract or their members. Um, so, again, sort of like throwing Luhan under the bus and being like, no, he's being ridiculous. Right. Eventually, the settlement for Luhan was that um, they actually didn't officially like nullify the contract per se because he has to pay their original contract was until 2022 and that date is still in place for mm-hmm. Luhan so for Luhan and Tao which I'll talk about in a minute but so Luhan has to pay a percentage of all of his profits like anything that he does to make himself money a percentage of that I believe it's 20% goes to SM until the year 2022 because that's when his contract originally expired 
retired. Um, and he, but he is free to manage himself or to work with anyone outside of Korea and Japan. So basically, it's like if you promote, if you do anything in Korea or Japan, you have to be under SM management. If you do anything else, SM gets twenty percent of the wow. profits. Wow. Yeah. But I will say I don't feel bad for Luhan at all because no. last year he made 33 million U.S. dollars. Yeah. No. U.S. Rich. dollars. He's rich as hell. And he's fine. He is also feisty. I, <laughs> it's really funny because he was like – because I was looking today like – because I wanted to try to remember, I was going back into old archives and reading the comments from like the days that these things dropped to try to remember what I, and everybody was like, oh, my precious baby Luhan, my sweet, sweet Luhan, how could anybody ever do anything to my Luhan? And you Google him now and it's like him and his girlfriend are like drunk and smoking in bars <laughs> and yelling at paparazzi and like he doesn't give any more fucks like at all. Mm-hmm. And he's like not the tiny sweet baby that everyone thought he was back then, which is so funny. But, like, this one, from what, like, the fans were weirdly understanding, because I think as part of Luhan's statement is that he, like, he said that he told, like, there was some, it was somehow out in the wind that he told the other members that he was, so they were like, well, Chris just blindsided them, Mm -hmm. and Luhan told them, like, the sweet boy he is, so Will, he he wants to go home, then he should go home. And the reason that the fans had those impressions is because other members did come out and make statements, so, like, when Chris left, Tao was really upset by it, and, like, he made statements about how he was, like, really disappointed um, that, that, like, Hyung had never gone and, like, talked to him about it or whatever. So he was, like, very – felt very betrayed and, like, related that to the the public. And so that, I think, helped in, like, vilifying Chris. Yeah. But Luhan uh, – Lei, I remember, posted something uh, – posted, like, a goodbye photo of, like, him. And Luhan was like, goodbye, Hyung. Like, I support you in all of your decisions. Like, I'm sad to see you go, but I love you. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like – and I'm sh- – maybe there is some kernel of truth to it in that, like, after everything happened – with Chris like maybe Luhan did go to the members and was like look you guys like this is happening like obviously we have to talk about it and I'm sure that the members like we've mentioned many times like these groups live together for the most part EXO definitely did Mm -hmm. and so I'm sure after Chris decided to leave all the members got together and they were like okay so like anybody else want to leave like what's going on yeah Um, I'm sure that all the other members just like turned in unison to the Chinese members were like what about you guys you gotta leave Another thing that's really interesting to look at from here in the here in the present is after Luhan left, when there were just two members missing, everybody thought they might try to replace them. Mm, yes, because at the time the XOK and XOM were still such strong entities of themselves mm-hmm. that they were like, "Well, what about XOM? Like, they're gonna have to replace. They're gonna need two more members, right?" Yeah. But no, they they eventually just no. They basically just group. dissolved XOM and they made it all one group. But I always say that disappointingly because I'm an XOM stan. Whatever. And that's fair. That's that's fair. Anyway, um. Um, so that was that was Luhan. But but can I just jump in before we get to Tao before sure. we leave 2014? Just because. Oh yeah, I think it's worth go for it. worth noting that like. 2014 was like people, a lot of people will remember it as like the worst year in K pop because like a lot of crazy stuff happened. Like a lot of crazy stuff that was outside of this. But just on the topic of company drama, I'm just going to list real quick. We might be able to get back to these another day. But these are other things that happened in 2014. 
Sully's forced hiatus from FX, Jessica was kicked out of SNSD, Block B sued and left their company over not being paid. AOA and Boyfriend said FNC had never paid them. Busker Busker stated publicly that after selling millions of records, they had never seen a dime. And BAP sued, saying that they had made $10 million but had only been paid $400 a month. Um, So it was just kind of like there was just this wave, like I think probably started (laughs) by Chris Mm -hmm. of all of these idols kind of like – Deciding that they weren't going to be quiet anymore about the way that things were being run and they like made a big stink about it. Um, And we can get to like how that has all, you know, worked out here in the present. But we should get back to EXO. I just wanted before we get to 2015, I just wanted to note that 2014 was like that like Chris and Luhan were the tip of the iceberg for 2014 when it comes to like K-pop struggles. Yes. Um, But we're one of the reasons we're not going into a lot of the cases that Shannon just mentioned is because they weren't necessarily contract disputes. And this is there was more of just like a like AOA claimed that they had never been paid, but they didn't sue their company. Yeah, they were just just publicly said like shaming. Well, this is what's happening. Yeah. And that's really like. Again, I think that that, like I mentioned in last week, I think that that falls sort of more under like the economics of K-pop, and so right. maybe it's like a different discussion. Um, so we'll we'll only focus on like the legalities of the contracts. So that takes us to 2015, April. Um, yes, April 2015. Tao, ugh, poor Tao. Like it is true that he probably has suffered the most injuries in all of EXO. He is like a martial artist and so as such he was responsible for a lot of like tricks and flips and like things in their choreography and so even from their debut he had multiple injuries like throughout their promotions. And in 2015 like he um, he was injured. He did suffer an injury um, during Love Me Right and so he wasn't in a lot of the Love Me Right promotions because he was injured and during this time his father posted a letter um, online stating that um, like his son was you know being abused and neglected that he was being mistreated that he and basically the point of the letter was like a father's plea. it's kind of a beautiful letter like there's a part in the middle where he's like I always told my son that he could do anything and like is this my fault have I pushed him to this because he needs these yeah. dreams like it's, it's really it's, heartbreaking yeah. and heartfelt like this is I'm not saying this to be like a ah, his dad got in the middle of it like no 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 but I mean that, like his dad posted a letter and it was very heartfelt. I don't think the dad was doing it as to like part of some sort of like shady ploy or sure. whatever. Like I don't think it was a publicity grab. Um, but his dad posted this heartfelt letter basically like begging the public um, to demand his release from his contract. Um, and so he was just like, I just want my son to come home. Um Following this letter, he goes on an Tao goes on an abrupt hiatus to China, like leaves Korea and goes back to China. And then in July of 2015, he releases his solo debut TAO. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is where it gets this yucky is where and bad. it gets dicey <laughs> because now, as I said, like he went on a hiatus. They had just come back with Love Me Right. He was originally supposed to be in that song. His voice is on the track. Wasn't in promotions because he was injured. Leaves to go back to China. And then suddenly he's okay to just debut on his own. 
that's where it gets shady. So he debuts on his own in July. The very next month, he files a lawsuit with that same firm for the same reasons against SM to be released from his contract. But... SM immediately countersued, um, claiming that Tao had prepped his solo debut secretly while still under contract with SM and therefore had, like, violated the contract and that he, in fact, owed them money because of it. Yeah, and they won. And they won that. (laughs) They won that one. And so – but the – Shitty part about that one is that, like, the way it goes back and forth between Tao's side, Tao's representation and SM's representation is that, like, so SM came out and was like, okay, you shouldn't have prepped this um, on your own. And because of that, like, you need to pay us this amount of money and you have to pay us this amount of money by this day. Tao didn't pay them by that day, and that's why SM won that suit. But then Tao's representation came out and said, provided a lot of proof to say, we tried to pay SM this amount of money, and they didn't let us. Like, we sent emails, we have call transaction, or like call transcripts, um, we have all this proof of every time we tried to get in touch with them to see how to pay this, and they kept putting us off so that we would miss the deadline, so that they would win this lawsuit Mm -hmm. so it was like he said she said who's to say what really happened i don't know but then uh so once they won that suit sm i guess maybe they were trying their luck and they sued him again um for illegal activities basically like all of the solo stuff that he did they were claiming that he didn't have the right to promote himself under his own name right Um, because they own they still owned him at the time right because he was still under contract with them so anything released under his own name was quote-unquote illegal tao won that one the courts decided like he deserves he owns his own name and Mm -hmm. so like if he released the solo debut TAO, like, that's fine. That's his name. He can do whatever he wants with it. This lawsuit wasn't settled until until this year, 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, So three years later... Basically, um, he lost the Tao lost yeah. the suit against the contract. Um, he initially had claimed that the the contract he was under was unfair, but SM was able to prove that it was a standard contract by the F- Korean Fair Trade Commission, um, and so uh, there was nothing that the court could do. Like it wasn't an unfair contract; it did follow the regulations of the FTC, and so um, Tao received a settlement very similar to Luhan's, where he's uh, free to manage himself and promote and do whatever he wants outside of Korea and Japan. Mm -hmm. Within Korea and Japan, he has to be under SM Entertainment if he does anything. And no matter what he does, where he does it, uh, they get about 20% of his profits from all of his well, solo activities he must be doing fine because he uh, he's doing so all well. the watches and all the cars and all that enormous he's so gross diamond on instagram. ring i like, love him so much I but he's so gross on instagram. on instagram i like really want to unfollow him he just posted this photo he's like here in la driving cars that are cost more money than i could ever even probably imagine yeah. having and like i it was so gross. He posted this photo of, like, himself in this car. And someone was like, ugh, nice color, bro. And he was like, I got it in white, too, bro. Or something like that. And yeah. I was just like, ew. Yeah. Ew. Ew. But uh, I will say, like, <laughs> out of all of this, like, one one beautiful bright spot that I'll never forget is how wonderful Lay was. <laughs> like, 
during all of this because everybody was like looking to him just sort of like waiting for him to mm-hmm. pull his trigger but he always consistently was like I love EXO I'm never leaving yep. EXO like I don't want y'all to ever think I'm leaving because I'm never leaving and he said in a lot of his posts which I thought was so sweet is like uh, I know you guys are worried about us but like this I know this is harder on the fans than it is on anyone so Aww. like I want you all to take care of like he's the best boy in the whole world I know but uh yeah, he's the lone Chinese member of EXO. Yep, he's the last one standing. Barely. And he's like the missing member. He's yeah. like the invisible member. But I think, but I feel like it, I know it's hard and like we don't, we don't know anything. Like mm-hmm. this stuff isn't very transparent and you only find out about it when it like comes out in court documents. But like even though we like know for a fact that like SM is taking a crazy amount of profits from Lei and the other Chinese members that like they're able to still do that like he he must see some value in it or he watched whatever happened to these other three guys and he has a smarter lawyer who was like nah dude like we're just going to ride this out like let them take their 30% like because they also will produce all his albums and he does get to like promote in Korea if he mm. wants to like or whatever because he like stuck around and he didn't sue anybody. Yeah, cuz he's like still fully under contract like he kind of gets to profit from it in a way that like the other members maybe don't or at least in like an easier way as far as like he didn't have to find new management and like yeah, and he, he didn't comes have back to... and is like, "Hey, I have these six songs. Like, can you throw them on an album for me?" Sam's like, "Yeah, sure. Here you go." Yeah. We'd love to. Let me, mm. let me call Casper. We'll shoot a music yeah. video. It's all fine. But, like, yeah. And and I think he also was spared the, like, you know, the bad press and the loss of fans and mm-hmm. stuff that, like, happened around all of this. Yeah. There was a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of, like, infighting with EXO. For for the, like, for years. like Because uh, there still is infighting with EXO. People still are, like... If you like all twelve, like someday, like yeah. people still talk Some, about people are all still like OT twelve, like crying over uh, the loss of the three Chinese members. Some people are OT ten. Some people are OT eight, and those people can jump off a cliff. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> because don't you dare kick out Yixing. Because really important um, to us. But anyway, uh, yeah, the EXO drama is, like, never-ending. But it's also (laughs) very odd. Like, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that's weird because, um, like, at the time, like, there were so many – so many people were – claiming like the abuse part of it was like a thing Mm -hmm. that like fans were very very upset about like they don't let them sleep they're getting hurt like how do we know that they're feeding them and people were just like they're not getting proper medical attention when they are injured they're having to like work through their injuries and then they get injured worse which like is a very big thing and like Mm -hmm. is so important people should be getting up in arms about so i think that was like especially painful to a lot of XOLs that Chris this year was like, LOL, I just quit because I hated their dumb music. Like, that, Ugh, like people went through a lot, like, thinking It caused that, a lot of trauma. Yeah. Like, for a lot of those fans. Because I remember seeing comments of people being like, how do we know that they aren't beating them? Mm-hmm. Like, people were coming up with the worst possible things they could in their mind, like, yeah. of what are they doing to XO. And, like, if that was happening, it is terrible. And, like, it should, like, someone should get in trouble but that years later the people involved are saying like nah it was about money and me wanting to do what I want like that sucks yeah that's really shitty but I will say on like sort of the happier side of things because we've mentioned 
a lot of different instances in which fans are worried that the idols are being mistreated. Like I know when I first started learning about Seventeen, there mm-hmm. were all these claims of like m- abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there have been certain steps that have been taken. Like we've also mentioned several times in this podcast that like the Korean government does play a part in the entertainment industry. Yes. Like they have um, certain ministries in their department that have partnerships with these big companies, um, and they do play a hand in like the Hollywood movement in general. because it is such an important piece of like Korean tourism. Um, And so in March of 2017, the Korean Fair Trade Commission, um, this is the same commission that has like the – so SM uses like a standard contract that is approved by the FTC. That is why Tao lost his lawsuit, right? Because the FTC said, yes, this contract There's nothing out of the ordinary. This isn't. Because people like to use the word slave contract, which I honestly think is – like slavery is a real thing and that still happens in this world and it's horrible and like – I think that's probably too big of a word. I totally agree for reasons that we don't even have to get into right now. I agree. I think it's a it's an inappropriate phrase. Inappropriate yeah. choice of words. But I will say that like I think the perpetuation of that phrase and of that like idea that these idols were suffering under these quote unquote slave contracts, um, like that is what sort of maybe pushed the Some fair change, trade commission to be change. like, hey, let's look into these companies and like <laughs> see what these contracts are all about. Um, so in March of last year, 2017, um, the fair trade commission basically looked into six different clauses in the contracts of eight different companies, including the big three. So it was JYP, SMYG, as well as Cube, Lowen Entertainment, FNC, Jellyfish Entertainment, and DSP Media. So all eight of these big companies, um, they did in fact revise all of these claims. So the first was like limiting the jurisdiction of certain lawsuits to the Seoul Central District Court, meaning like these lawsuits could only be tried in Seoul. Um, the FTC was like, no, like, you know, if a Chinese member is in China and they need to file, file their lawsuit, like it doesn't matter to. if they're yeah. not in Seoul. That was one of them. Um, another one was like, Canceling a contract for ambiguous reasons, like companies are no longer allowed to do that. They're also no longer allowed to cancel a contract without notice. They have to provide their artists with significant notice. Um, they cannot force a renewal after the expiration of a contract. Like there were certain instances where I know the article I was reading used JYP as an example where a contract would ex- would expire and the company kind of like forcefully persuaded the artist to renew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they also eliminated excessive cancellation fees basically or penalty fees which was a really big deal Um, I think that's probably like one of the things that came up um, I brought it up in the TVXQ that it was going to bankrupt them exactly so basically what they used to be and so what I'm saying is that companies are not allowed to do this anymore but they used to be able to say like if you for if you leave your contract, if you violate your contract and you leave us before your contract is up, we will charge you an exorbitant amount of money as a penalty fee for breaking that contract, uh-huh. and it will be more than you ever made with us. And so, like, it will it will bankrupt you. Yeah, um, they're not allowed to do that anymore. Cool. So the Fair Trade Commission did like revise these like six different clauses. I don't think I named all six, but like I hit the big yeah. ones. Um, so there are there have been like significant positive changes. Made in like making sure that these contracts are a little bit more reasonable. Yeah. 
Well, that's good. That's that's hopeful. That's all I want. Like we talk about all the time that like K-pop is like a new industry, mm-hmm. and like unfortunately, I feel like with kind of all things, when there's laws and rules and whatever, the only way they get changed is for someone to stand up in front of the court and be like, "This happened, and it's not fair," and then mm-hmm. they have to, you know. So as much as this was like these things were very – this TVXQ and EXO things were very painful for like the fans and the peop- and the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they they ushered in change for groups going forward forever. Yeah. Um, and one last thing before we wrap this up, like another little bit of contract dispute that's been in the news lately. So I wanted to bring it up. Um is just this idea of like trademarks and the company sort of owning the group altogether. Um, so Beast is mm-hmm. an example of this. Beast was one of Cube's boy bands. Um, they were around for a long time. And in April 2016, Hyun Sung, who was that original, that guy who was supposed to be in Big Bang and didn't mm-hmm. debut with Big Bang, um, and he was in Troublemaker with Hyuna. He, Cube just basically told Beast, like, he's leaving. He doesn't like making music with you guys anymore. He wants to make his own music. So he's going to go solo and you guys can be Beast without him. Um, Beast was like, that sucks. So they, like, together decided they wanted to keep going, but they didn't want to be with Cube because, like, it was very clear who they were siding with in that Mm. case. So they started their own label called Around Us Entertainment, but they had to come out as a new – they are now called Highlight. And they don't have that member in – He's he's yeah. still under he's Cube still Entertainment, but he, like, he doesn't, doesn't do anything. anything. Um, and, like, when Yana was coming – like, saying that when she announced that they were doing another Triple H comeback, people were like, what about Troublemaker? Will we ever get Troublemaker back? And, like, no, mm. you're not going to get Troublemaker <laughs> back, guys. And I think we all know why. Um, but Beast, like, knew – that they couldn't they couldn't be beast mm-hmm. because cube owns beast and that it would probably bankrupt them or like any money that they had to start this company yeah. they couldn't fight over the name beast so they decided to be highlight mm-hmm. which is a little like which is you know like a, a hump to get over like they have a new name now which yeah. is kind of weird um so the other way that this can go is what's happening with tiara right now where there are now only four members of Tiara left. Um, over the years, they've lost everyone. Um, in December 2017, the remaining four members were like, we're done. They left their company, MBK. And right after they left, MBK filed a trademark on the name Tiara, mm. which everybody decided was petty and like a bitchy thing to do. Yeah. Um, so right now, Tiara is stuck in this weird limbo where they're not allowed – where the four of them want to try to, like, hold on to their fans and, like, keep being Tiara. But MBK is petitioning the court for this name, Tiara. They've already lost once and refiled the case, but Korean law or whatever, the copyright law, says they get to make their case four times. Mm. So this could keep going for years until Tiara, like – Get and they might lose at some point, mm-hmm. so that's why I think Beast slash Highlight decided to just go with a yeah. rebrand because it's not. Is it worth it to like fight over a name? But like those are the kinds of things that can happen because like yeah. the companies, they own it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really do own it all. And wasn't there something like 
didn't the girls of Girls Generation come out and say something about like the name Girls Generation and how that they like Girls Generation would never be over? And yeah, I think they said something. I wish I like had it in front of me, but I swear that they said something that when. Because it was – this was a case – Girls' Generation was a case of all of the girls' contracts were up for renewal. Mm-hmm. Three of them were like, no, not going to renew this mm-hmm. time. I have other things to do. Everybody else renewed. But I think from what I heard – and this could this could have been just them saying we're willing to fight. I don't know if SM promised them that they would get to keep their name or if they all very publicly were like, we won't let them take mm-hmm. our name from us. Um, it hasn't like come up yet because okay. like Tiffany's doing solo work and everybody's like fine, but I guess we could see if they ever wanted to do a reunion tour if SM would fight them on it or not. Like, I like don't know. if the girls who left wanted to join in and do like a girls' generate. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, it's all kind of yeah. We'll have to keep an eye out. And see, see what how happens. That plays out. Yeah, because I wonder. I wonder if SNS if SNSD Girls Generation is mm-hmm. the kind of group that has enough clout, fame power, whatever, yeah. that, like, it wouldn't be worth SM's time to fight them on it, or if they, or if SM did work something out with them that is, like, you guys can promote as SNSD if you want to, but we get X amount. Oh, yeah. like, I'm sure that you that's know? whatever. I'm sure that that's a factor into it. But I think this, all of this stuff has sort of, I assume, probably made, like, all of the K-pop kids just, like, more aware mm-hmm. of the kinds of things that they, like, could get themselves into. And, like, I hope they all do have, like, good lawyers. But I, I, that seems to be, like, I think, unfortunately, a lot of these things affect, like you were saying in last week's episode, these, like, lower-tier companies, these kids who are never going to make any money and mm-hmm. never have any say for themselves. Like these two cases were huge because huge groups were involved, which meant there was enough mm-hmm. money at stake for people to pay attention. Yeah. And it was SM. It's one of the big three companies. Like not only is this a massively popular group, but this is also a massively successful company that has like a lot of clout and it's difficult to go against them. Yes. You know, like if it was a group from a much smaller label then maybe it like wouldn't have been such a newsworthy no totally totally um but yeah it seems like one of those things that you know people just that you have to like like we've said before like earn your freedom Mm -hmm. like shiny has said multiple times that like the last two contracts that they signed that they've been like very demanding about like excuse me we are shiny and like we're <laughs> gonna get exactly what we want and that they have like a ton of say mm-hmm. in how their careers go but that's probably only because They're of shiny. how much money they've were hey, have yeah. made SM mm-hmm. um, yeah like once you become a group that has sway it's like. You know, this whole Hyuna Pentagon thing, like, obviously Hyuna's not going to have any kind of, like, controversy or punishment for, like, coming out publicly with a relationship, but, like, this lesser known dude, <laughs> pull him from the promotions. Yeah. Like, that's fine. So, yeah, you know, so it's once all... you have that reputation. Yeah, then you can do what you want. But, like, I, I don't know. It's all It's all just very interesting, and I hope – my only hope is that, like, the shadiest and worst companies get, like, outed for what they are and they all fail because, like, how dare they? Um, yeah. But, like, I mean, as much – we've said this before. Like, as much as companies are, like, quote, unquote, evil, like, it's just kind of, like, the way of the – world. like, it's all – it's 
business. Mm -hmm. Like it would be so nice if it was all just butterflies and rainbows and people being creative, but like it's it's business, man. And like a lot of people's, a lot of people's money and time like goes into things and like way more than you think about. Mm -hmm. Like so much of like capitalist, like business in general just like runs on debt and like fake money. Like, people, you know, getting money from investors and spending $40 million and making nothing like, and it's all just like a gamble. Hooray. Like it's, it's a crazy mess and I wouldn't want any part of it. Oh, me either. (laughs) Me either. Glad I don't work in the business sector. I don't have a brain for it. Yeah, me either. So uh, shout out to all the lawyers out there. Uh, (laughs) If, oh yeah. If any of you are out there are in law school, you should uh, find out how you can help out. Yeah, idols and make sure they have good contracts. That's what I was going to say. I was like, shout out to all the lawyers, but also shout out to all the lawyers that are specifically looking out for our beautiful, <laughs> precious idols. Yes. Thanks to you guys. Thanks, y'all. Um, so that was that was our long-promised contract disputes. Now you know how it went down. Doesn't yeah. everybody feel educated now? I sure do. <laughs> anyway, we'll be back with our random game. Woo! And we're back. And today, the random number generator picked a very old group mm-hmm. that we have seen in the flesh before. Yes, a uh, gift of the magic of KCON. Yeah, and that group is Turbo. Mm-hmm. We mentioned them briefly in our first generation episode because Jungkook they were— Jungkook is hot. Yes, Kim Jungkook from Running Man is one of the members of Turbo. He's like a giant— like Greek god, like he's just, like, so buff. He's so buff. He's so he's just like very wide, and his jaw is so square. But he has the smallest eye, like the mm-hmm. smallest eyes. Anyway, <laughs> he was in a duo called Turbo. Yes, and we mentioned in the first generation episode that they were formed to be like a competitor to Deuce, mm-hmm. but someone in Deuce died. So then they yes. like... Shortly after Turbo's debut. Yeah. Um, and Did so, they have like, something to do with it? <laughs> no. Remember, it was mysterious. It was a mysterious death. No, that I'm sorry. I'm true. not, I'm not but, saying Turbo had anything to do with anyone dying. Uh, and like after that guy's death, uh, Turbo was sort of like... Because they were making like dance music, and that's why they were sort of competing against Deuce. And so once the member of Deuce passed away and Deuce sort of dissolved, then Turbo was like the kings of dance music mm-hmm. for K-pop in the late 1980s. I mean, 1990s. Yeah, so they made like cool dance music, and they were – so it was Jungkook and this guy, Jungnam, for the first three years. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1999, Chungnam left because he was like unable to reconcile his differences with the management, mm-hmm. and he joined a five-member boy band called Snap. Um, so Jungkook needed to find a new partner, and he found this Californian kid named Mikey. Mm-hmm. Yep, who had previously moved to Korea with hopes of being a star. Yeah. Um, and so the two of them continued with Turbo for quite a while. Yeah, um, and one big thing that I wrote down to mention in our Generation 1 episode, but it didn't come up organically, is that in, like, 1998, they almost had their careers totally ruined mm-hmm. uh, because Jungkook at this massive, like, you know, concert for like concert for Korea that was being watched all over the world. And there were diplomats in the audience and it was like a big, 
deal. Mm -hmm. He had gotten in like a fight with his manager or the sound guy or something at rehearsal. So he decided when it was their turn that he was just going to fold his arms and not sing. So like he stood in protest, which resulted in him being banned from appearing on television for a year. Oof. Couldn't go on TV. Because how dare, like, they couldn't, people couldn't believe he was so rude. And I honestly, like, knowing him now and how famous he is, I can't believe he would, like, that he's the kind of, like, that he would throw a fit like that. It's really crazy. It is pretty great. It is pretty nuts, like, to just sit there or to just stand there in front of all those people and, like, pout. Like, I mean, I don't know why he did it, but it, it seems like it's a bold move. Yeah, It's definitely. a bold move. <laughs> um, so then they disbanded officially. In 2000, 2000, in 2000, because their contracts ran out. Mm. Um, but then in 2015. Oh, because their contracts ran out and because Mikey's visa expired. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they had to do that. Um, but then in 2015, all three members, so the original guy mm-hmm. and the other two guys, Reunited as a three-member Turbo, did like a a tour of like the Turbo comeback tour, and we saw them at KCON as like a surprise, yeah, special, a special guest. stage in 2016. Yes. So it was the following year. Yeah, so they did their little bit of like a return tour, mm-hmm. and, and like, so now all the all three of the members, like Turbo, is technically still a group today, and it currently has three. members. It's a three-member group. Yeah, so we were looking because like we've done. Before, before with these pre-YouTube bands, it feels unfair to let view count decide what uh, what we watch. So they had an album out in two no in two thousand. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think so because it was like oh ninety nine. Oh, okay. in in October ninety nine, they came out with an album called "Email My Heart." That, like, went to number three. So we are going to watch the music video for the title track off of Email My Heart, which is Cyber Lover. Oh, my God. It makes me and think I'm of afraid. that. Um, uh, what's that NSYNC song? Um, um, digital Get Down. Digital, digital, get down. Yeah. yeah. I hope that this is similar. 20,000 miles away and I can see you. And baby, baby, you can see me. <laughs> That song was crazy. And I remember my mom not liking me listening to it. I remember listening to it as a child and being like, this song is inappropriate. Yeah, just (laughs) you. So I wonder if Cyber Lover is also going to be inappropriate. The screen grab grab for the music video is like a girl on a webcam, so I'm a little scared. I know, but But, uh, I'm going to look up the lyrics while you pull this up. Okay, so from the year 2000... Oh, K-Pop 2000 is the name of this channel. Anyway, this was 1999, I guess. So here comes Turbo Cyber Lover. Okay. Oh! Oh! Oh, Jungkook was working on something, and then they all got electric shocked. Oh, did they get sucked into the computer? Oh, they did. They did. That's that's fun. So they got like sucked into the computers, and now they're watching the the people like play at a PC bong. Yes, because they like went in. So the like pretty girl that's in the screen cap is like a girl that's at this PC play cafe playing video games. Or maybe she's just chatting with someone. 
I mean, it really, really looks like 1999. That's the one thing I can say for She's super sure. She's got those sure. chunky highlights. Oh, I loved, I wanted those chunky highlights. I used to put my son in and my hair just to have those chunky highlights. I wish I could read Korean faster to read the chats that are showing up on the screen, but they're too fast. Ugh, the song is so old, nobody's translating. Haha, me too. I'm at the PC Bong. Hey, I can't, I could read one fast <laughs> enough. But it's like they're standing around in like a giant make like a what's the word I'm looking microchip like it's like oh, yeah, all yeah. the wires and stuff mm-hmm. but it's big around them the, like, yeah it, when it comes to the like box music video part of it they're standing on a computer chip they're wearing all white or all black and like leather gloves Jungkook's hair is very bleached and the other guy has that H.O.T. bull haircut that's so bad. Mm-hmm. Mickey, because this is yeah, Mickey, Mickey time. And he has that super uh, chunky highlights too. He almost has like Corella DeVille hair. I think his highlights look fake. They look like the clip-in mm-hmm. kind from Forever Yeah, because they're, un- they're like under two. <laughs> And they're so white. Yeah. I mean, I think this song is fun, but also I wonder, it feels slightly dated for 99, but like maybe not. Um. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit dated. <laughs> what? Are, have I don't you know. found anything good in the lyrics? No, because nobody's translated the oh, lyrics. Because it's lyrics too old. Are so old. God. The only thing that I can find is like one part that says, I met a girl inside. I fell in love inside. I want to be her lover. I want to love forever. Okay, yeah, so maybe it really uh, is just lover. about like falling in love in a chat room or something yeah, with a I girl so. you don't really like. The cyber lover part is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just about like meeting someone online. <gasps> a love story. Are they for in the, the same room? Age. Will they see each other? Oh, they were in the same room. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Their heads are smoking oh with CGI really fake smoke. CGI smoke. Oh, that was weird. Back to work. Back, back to fixing this computer. Like, I know what I'm doing. Wow. Turbo. Well, that was turbo. It was. <laughs> very, was, very 90s. That's exactly what I, like, remember them sounding like. Because that's, I think, I feel like it comes up a lot on Running Man. Especially if they're doing, like, a karaoke challenge episode or whatever. People love to, like, pull up turbo songs like just to make him do the old dances and stuff and that's that's what they all sound like in my mind like over electronic and like bouncy yeah very bouncy so cool for cool for you turbo it's always fun to get like a really old group i like it nice to see you again boys. nice to see you so uh 
weekly recommendations, I think it's your turn to go first. It is my turn. And in the spirit of continuing to promote uh, those mid-level company groups, those (laughs) groups that aren't super well-known or popular, I uh, dug into my phone to see, like, okay, who's a a group that I don't know much of, but – I like that song. Right. Um, so I picked Teen Top, which is a group that I, I know nothing about other than the fact that I really like their song, which is called Confusing. And it is from an EP from 2015 called Natural Born Teen Top. Okay. Um, the song is really like bubbly and bright. It's very positive and it puts me in a good mood. I think it's very catchy. The live performance of it isn't like super exciting because if I remember correctly, they just – this is one of those songs that they just sing – like standing around they don't actually like dance to it or anything um but yeah but i like it a lot and so teen top they're still around they're still making music um they just released a music video this year and i hope that they have continued success Wonderful. I also, on a very similar note, I was trying to think of what to recommend this week. And since we bank episodes, I like don't know. Like, there's probably something new out by the time you're hearing this that I would like to recommend. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm here in the past where it's not out yet. So I reached back into like, what are some of my favorite things that have come out so far this year that people might not have heard? And there's this group called Halo. I know nothing about them. I'll just be straight up honest. I thought that this song was their debut song, but they've apparently been around for like three years, but they seem to mostly promote in Japan. So it's not my fault that I didn't know about them. Mm. But Halo has this song called OMG. Oh my God. The Mm. chorus is Oh my God, but the song is OMG. And it is just like a banger. It's just like such a good like disco-y dance song It's really, really fun, and the music video is really simple. It's just all of them dancing on a roof with jackets with no shirt underneath, which I love that look, of (laughs) course. Um, So it's, like, low budge. Like, I think this is, a like we said, like a lower lower rung (laughs) K-pop company and group, but this is such a good song. So uh, if you're looking for some sort of off-the-radar K-pop, I, like, can't recommend this song highly enough. So Halo OMG. Awesome. Yay. So that's it for this week. And uh, as always, you can find us at AMA K-pop Pod on Instagram and Twitter, amakpoppod.tumblr.com for episode links, amakpoppod at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. And we are on YouTube if you'd like to watch the podcast. I mean, it's not it's not video. It's not anything. It's you just can the album art watch. and the video and the podcast <laughs> plays. But some people are YouTube people. Maybe you have YouTube Red, and it's easier to queue it up that way or whatever. We're there if you want it. Um, and then that's it. And we'll be back next time. And we'll see you guys then. Goodbye. Goodbye. Chongyun, you're our inspiration. Bye.